Welcome to the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. My name's Andrew Popel, and every week I introduce a new great conversation. And these are conversations with Australian authors because here at Final Draft, that's what we're about. I want to share great Australian stories. Sometimes, though, it's important to stop and just look at where we've come from because Final Draft, the Great Conversations podcast, is having its third birthday. Along with that, Final Draft, the radio program from 2SER, is approaching its 30th birthday. So today, we're going to have a little bit of a look back because we are all about books, writing, and literary culture, and I want to explore that culture and how it's changed. I'm Andrew Pope. Look, I do broadcast Final Draft every week from the studios of 2SER in Sydney. To us, you broadcast from the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Now, I'm recording on the lands of the Darug and Gunungurra people, and I want to acknowledge those traditional owners of the lands where we work, where we broadcast from, unceded lands. I want to pay my respects to the traditional owners' ongoing connection to their lands. And as I said, it's, it's a... You know, all of these anniversaries coming together, 30 years for Final Draft is coming up. It's eight years. I'm celebrating eight years on the show myself and three years since we launched the podcast. And in that time, so much has changed. And that's what I wanted to share with you today. We're going right back to the very first episode of the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. But as I listened back to this interview, I realized I've learned so much uh, the way I interview, even just my ability to record decent audio. So join me today. I, um, I've got a conversation that I had. Well, I've got two conversations that I had with Bram Presser. I have uh, reworked the audio. I have had a bit of a look at it for you and listened back. And I really want to share it with you. And if you're enjoying this, If you are enjoying the podcast, maybe share it with a friend because we're three years in and there is still so many more books to discover. So, join me today as we go back and celebrate our first podcast episode with Bram Presser discussing The Book of Dirt. Bram, welcome to the show. I thoroughly enjoyed The Book of Dirt and I really am excited to be talking to you about it. Oh, thank you, Andrew. It was very uh, you know, excited to be here. The Book of Dirt unfolds the story of your grandfather, Jacob Rand, moving to Prague from the country, and on the cusp of establishing his life, the city is occupied by the invading Nazi army. And your grandparents' experience in the su- their survival of war was not something that I got the sense that you fully understood growing up. No, no. So, I mean, they, they never spoke about it, right? Mm. So, there, there was essentially two two types of survivors, those, those mm. who were willing to talk and those who weren't. And, you know, pretty typical uh response to trauma. But they, mm. they never they never told their stories. They uh they sort of let this myth of of what had happened uh, grow around them and it was that he was just a, he was a teacher. He was a teacher in, in Prague, then he was when he went to Therese and started he was he taught Jewish kids there and then in uh in Auschwitz as well. And uh my grandmother who you know, she she was this incredible um just powerhouse of a woman and who we once saw carrying a fridge through the back garden. Um, you know, we, her story was that she laid uh, sleeper, uh, rail sleeper tracks for the trains that were, would bring the Jews into the camps. And, um, and, and that was, that was pretty much all we knew and we just accepted it. They never confirmed or denied it. Um, and then they died in 1996, about six weeks apart from one another. Yeah. And, uh, about three years after, they had died, an article was published purporting to tell my grandfa- grandfather's uh, story. And that story was that he was, in fact, the literary curator of Hitler's Museum of the Forgotten, uh, of the Extinct Race. And, uh, and I, I was, I was 
blown away. And so I, I, I needed to know the story. So I set off on trying to find what his story was. And that led me to her story as well. And actually, and the story of uh, my great grandmother, her mother, who, uh, like to me was probably the hero of the book, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, it was just this incredible experience of, of tracking down these, these scraps and fragments and, and photos and records and, you know, none of which was told a complete story. And um, and engaging with them, trying to 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 imagine their experience. Yeah, the Book of Dirt. It's really two stories. We we have your grandfather's his journey to Prague, his survival of the war, and the I guess the the very beginnings of of what is your extended family, your you here today. But there's yes. also your story, searching out the links and the evidence of this past. When did you know that you would become a character in your book? Uh, the, the answer is I, I never did. I I, I just. Uh, like I was writing my experiences to document it, uh, just so that I would have, uh, for myself, really, uh, an idea of, of where I had been, what I'd done, uh, and, cause there were some pretty, you know, strange encounters along the way, and I, I wanted them documented. And also, I, I was never actually sure what the book was going to be. I didn't mm. know, firstly, I didn't know whether it'd be a book. Secondly, I didn't know whether it would just be, you know, a, a, I suppose a quest narrative of a grandson trying to find his uh, grandparents' story, or whether it was going to be a reimagination of their stories, which became much more, uh, I suppose, a focus of the book when it became apparent that every single door that I found into their lives was just slamming shut in my face. So, you know, I, I, I turned to the fiction side uh, and trying to kind of inhabit their lives that way and understand their experience that way from the fragments that I, I could kind of piece together. Um, and at that point, I actually thought that my story was completely irrelevant um, mm. then. And then I actually realized that really the stories that interplay between my search and my reimagining of their, of their stories. That unfolding is so essential and it was so essential to my reading. Um, it's interesting. I mean, look, I... Your your grandfather or your grandparents' story is compelling, but it's really the way it plays against your attempt to discover it that brings so much resonance. And, of course, this is a work of historical fiction. Yeah. Um, it's your family, though, and their lives that populate the novel. How essential was it that you could inhabit that space but then also create? Did you feel free to realise the action or did you found bound by, feel bound I by expectation? Did. I actually really... I, I was almost, I suppose, energized by, by having a document of my search to find the stories where I could sow the seeds for what I could then explore in a, in a bit more kind of depth uh, on a human level in the fictional side. Yeah. And so I was able to, to, I suppose, also take parts of, of, particularly of the, of, of the, the anecdotes I was told by, uh, people who knew them before the war or, or my cousin in, in, in Prague who had heard some stories from my great grandmother and, and what have you. There were, there were bits of the story that I, I wouldn't really be able to work into the quest narrative, but they actually were incredible stories. So, uh, like one just offhand is, um, that, my grandmother was, was sending letters back from the concentration camps to her mm. mother in, in, in Prague, um, her mother not being, um, Jewish. And what, one of them was intercepted in Auschwitz. Mm. And, uh, and, and a, a, an SS commander brought her, um, in front of the, you know, in front of the, 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 um, roll call and made a girl who was just selected out of the crowd read the letter. And the letter, she basically, 
this girl who didn't know my grandmother mm. basically lied about what the letter said to save my grandmother's life. And so little stories like that I wanted in the book, but they, they didn't really fit the questionnaire. So I actually was, I had this great, I don't know, abundance of, of little legends and scraps that, that made a, the, the, the fictional narrative for me really interesting to write and, and also gave me essentially waypoints that I could, uh, that I could peg uh, along with the quest narrative so that, so that they kind of worked in tandem. Yeah. And that, sorry, that scene was particularly moving in the book, that, that story that you just related. And it got, you, you had me thinking the whole time about this need to tell stories, to remember and tell them both as personal history but also the role that they play to inspire and give hope. Uh, and the, the emer- this emerges as themes throughout the Book of Dirt. But I wonder for you um, in your quest, but also I guess your your family and their experience of this story, how important it is to, to reconstruct and flesh out a narrative from the records of the past. I mean, you were incredibly frustrated in your search to find yeah. true record. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, the reality is that they're, for the, the, the vast majority of the time, I spent eight years writing this. And for the vast majority of that time, I could find nothing. And I, <laughs> I was well into the fictional narrative when a whole lot of things just opened up. I, I got an email from a 94-year-old guy in, uh, in London who, who had happened to be my grandfather's student during the occupation. And he'd heard about my quest and he wanted to get in touch because he's been spending since his retirement, um, his life trying to piece together what happened to all of the students in his class photo, which is in the book. Um, and the only person who couldn't find records of was my grandfather so uh you know so i had kind of things like that uh i think you know the other thing that that was really kind of important to me is i actually kind of uh, and and it it sounds almost uh, trite but i sort of liked bringing them back Mm. I, i felt that you know i i i could hang out with them again like i was incredibly close with my grandparents and um and I feel sort of half guilty in in the sense that I, I was able to bring them back in my mind and then put them through incredible trauma. Um, and that was actually incredible. <laughs> that was really difficult to do. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I felt this incredible need to just know them, um, having now understood that I really didn't know them, even though I was close with them. Um, it, it's a very strange feeling having, you know, people you love die, feeling that you've been very close with them and later finding out that you, you, you literally you knew nothing about their lives. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the book was a means of, of finally knowing these people I loved. Yeah, it's interesting the way, the way you evoked that there. I was actually having a conversation this morning with, um, with one of your, your text, do we say stablemates when you're in a publishing house together? Um, Stuart Kells and his book, uh, The Library has just been released. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I felt the need to talk about your book in relation to that, but we, we both. <laughs> now we're even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he, we were talking about, or he was talking particularly about how in a digital world, we have this, this threat or promise that we're going to be able to encode ourselves and, and come to life in computers, but that books have been doing this for as long as there has been print, that we encode not just characters but pieces of the author and 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 parts of the history. And it felt felt like what you were evoking there, that in some way your grandparents are in this book and that part of their story that you, you had to discover is in this book. Yes, uh, I, I think so. Like, I, look, you know, at the end of the day, 
when you know when you write, you are you know you're, you're creating. And this is this is also why the, the dirt as a uh, as the metaphor also worked very strongly or resonated very strongly with me. You know, you, you are creating. You're creating them from the clay of words. You know, and and you know, the the Gollum story is very very uh, important in the book as well. Mm. And so you know, you build them from from clay. You breathe you breathe life into them with words. Um, and it, and it is true. Like it is. I, I want to leave a lasting document of their existence. Um, mm. And you know, I want to know that they that they will live on beyond me. Um, it's just I don't know whether it's a you know a kind of a grandson's. Kind of feeling of 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 there's a gratitude to it of of, mm. of you know what they endured so that I actually exist, right? Mm. Um, and I feel that I owe it to them to ensure that their existence isn't forgotten. You just mentioned there, um, and your treatment of the Gollum story really, really interested me in in the way you you sort of brought it into the Book of Dirt. And I, I, this is probably uh, out of my own curiosity as much as anything. But as you were as you were realizing that part of your your grandfather's experience in, um, am I pronouncing this right? Theresienstadt. 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 Um, and you brought the Gollum story into the Book of Dirt. Did you feel like you were skirting around the edges of of magical realism type oh, yeah. writing? Very, very much so. And it was actually a conscious decision for a couple of reasons. Firstly, like for me, like I love fables. I love magical realism. Mm. It's, it's actually my favorite form. Mm. Right? Um, but secondly, I also wanted to make it incredibly clear that this was a novel, mm. that I wasn't claiming to be telling their actual stories as if it were fact. Mm. Right? And so I thought that, you know, I had this double opportunity, one, one to, uh, to actually enjoy writing in a form that I love, right? Um, but also to, um, make it very, very clear that I, I wasn't an imposter trying to pass off some sort of, you know, made up story as, uh, as, as fact. It struck me though that there was a very real sense as, as you'd evoked this world for me that the magical realism was there, but that, the interpretation that was put on those events in the story, and I'm I'm really skirting hard around spoilers here because it's a <laughs> it's a wonderful thing to have emerge in the book. It was also a very natural response to this horrific, unnatural situation. It's a it's a miracle anyone survived, and that, absolutely, and that an individual could put some sort of uh, supernatural interpretation on any event seems entirely natural to me in the circumstances. Well, I think also that like you know what. What, what, I, what I was also trying to trying to do, I suppose, with, with, with the magical realism is I never actually, I never, I never actually give the answer of whether or not the golem's there. You know, um, I, I wanted to keep it. It was almost it's a strange, uh, it's a strange, strange pop cultural reference. But to me, it was the suitcase in Pulp Fiction, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Where you yep. know it, they open it up, it's got the glow, but you never know what's in there. You never know, you know the reality of it, um, whether it is something great, whether it's Whatever, something that you know, a light, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so with the with the golem uh, in this, I, I, I would I didn't want it to become a fully magical realist uh, story, but mm-hmm. I, I wanted the possibility where the reader engages with it and thinks, yeah, you know, this this the magical side of it could actually be the correct interpretation, mm-hmm. and I think, and it's exactly exactly as you said, and, and as a, like a survivor kind of said to me. Uh, 
you, survival was impossible. Like survival, the, the fact that people survived defies logic. Mm. Um, and so, therefore, to add a magical realist element to it almost seems natural. Mm. One of the probably the most compelling part of the Book of Dirt is this idea of a museum of the extinct race that your your grandfather was, uh, I guess, sort of press-ganged into uh, working as a part of. It's, it's macabre and horrific, but it, it seems like this macabre and horrific corruption of exactly what you and, and so many people do when they seek to tell stories of family and culture. But the Museum of Extinct Race removes agency from the storyteller and seeks to reduce them to some sort of exhibit uh, and, and erasing them from history in that way. What were your feelings, though, exploring this idea uh, and the historical reality, reality of it? Well, <laughs> I, I, I've not thought of, thought of it like that. That's actually really like, quite fascinating to me. Um, I had heard about this idea of a museum of the extinct race and the idea being that the Nazis were going to collect um, a whole lot of artifacts that they planned on displaying in this museum centered in Prague um, after they had finished their uh, their job of decimating and completely annihilating the European Jewish population. Um, I'd, I'd heard about that since I was a kid. And you know, I'd been to Prague quite a lot of times. I've, I've actually got quite a lot of family still there. And, you know, you, you hear it there. You hear it, it, it's just, it's part of Czech Jewish um, history. And it was, for me, kind of thinking that my grandfather was part of it was, uh, really, it was, it was mind blowing, and it was it was kind of scary. And it sounds wrong, but you also kind of think that there's almost an, an you know there's an honour to it as well. Like you know that, that that he should be someone who's viewed so highly that he's selected to become you know one of the people putting this museum together. Mm. But at the same time, like I knew that there actually is no documentary evidence of this plan to make a museum of the extinct race. So a lot of it was also me, I suppose, exploring and uh, uh, the question of whether it was real. Um, and, you know, without, again, without, without going into spoilers, the answer is yes and no, mm. right? Um, what my grandfather was involved in was something akin to that idea, but the central idea is itself a creation post-war. Mm. So, you know, it, it, it just the, the layers of, of creation that kind of go in into memory, into um, building life stories uh, are just incredible. Like, and, and it's amazing what does get kind of taken on as 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 real um, and accepted. And this is, you know, this is. It's, a, it's actually a really, really fraught area because, you know, as soon as there's a small detail that people, that, that you say might not have been right, people, people then start kind of jumping on larger bandwagons, which are a lot more problematic, um, to do with Holocaust denial and what have you. And, and I think this is, for me, one of the, one of the central questions of the book is, you know, what is the role of the writer after the survivors are gone? You know, is it, you know do we have business telling the story? Um, or should we just be pointing people to, you know, Elie Wiesel or Primo Levi or, or writers like that who, who were there and can actually tell exactly what happened? And I think part of my, you know, ultimate kind of, uh, 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 
solution, well, I shouldn't actually use that term, um, the, the ultimate decision was that, was that, that the Holocaust is beyond a doubt an, an absolute fact. But that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't start looking into the taboos, looking mm. into the, um, the, 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 the finer details because it has been turned into this monolith, monolith of horror. Mm. And, and, and there are also, there are, I suppose, narrative templates that go with Holocaust stories. And, and we're now in a position to explore it more deeply. And you, I actually think you, you end up coming out with a lot more extraordinary stories, mm. um, when you, um, subject some of the, the templates to a bit more scrutiny because while, you know, survivor stories do generally fit templates, it's only because people, um, who, you know, seek to tell them afterwards are kind of a bit lazy. They don't, they don't bother really, um, I guess, um, revealing the, 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 the intricacies, uh, and the idiosyncrasies of, of Holocaust survival. And, and again, as a, you know, as a Holocaust, uh, as a survivor said to me, um, you know, we all endured our own Auschwitz and it's true. You know, they, these are incredibly individual stories and they're getting lost, you know, kind of in this swamp of templates. Mm, it's a it's a strange perversion of – it's sort of a fact of our neurobiology. I, I studied a little bit at university. I, um, the idea that narrative templates are, are a part of our way of realizing reality. But it, it yeah. as you say, it has this sense of erasure when you try and fit every story into a mold. Exactly. And, and the thing is that, like, had I just gone with, okay, so my grandparents' stories were, were this, I'm not going to really look that deeply into them, I actually wouldn't have found, you know, two stories that are, to my mind, far more um, extraordinary than the, the basic templates that I had going into it. Um, but I think you're right. Like, at the end of the day, people, it's, e- it's easy to just um, think on you know, accepted lines and just, and, and, and I guess, you know, smooth out the edges and what, and what have you, because otherwise you'd go mad considering every detail of every particular story. Mm. And so the Book of Dirt was released in late August. It feels sort of strange to be discussing your novel of the Second World War only weeks after images of, of Nazis actually flooded or people yeah, wearing yeah. the iconography flood our news, the spectre of fascism seems ever present. Are you are you surprised that your book has emerged in an environment that seems kind of poised to echo the world that your grandparents grew up in? Well I mean that's that's that to me is 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 just um like such a such a such a, a strange <laughs> strange kind of moment in time to to be as you said like re- releasing the the book uh, like I remember my grandfather saying, being concerned about kind of the increase of, 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 of just, you know, right wing, uh, um, general kind of, um, chatter, for want of a better term, mm-hmm. and, and, and the beginnings of, you know, neo-Nazism and what have you. And like to see it now in really, you know, in Western democracies, um, where, cause you know, everyone always said, oh, you know, the thing with, with, with Germany, the reason it was so surprising the Holocaust is Germany was, you know, a refined, Western, um, you know, sophisticated country. Um, and so, you know, that, that it happened there is, is, is incredibly scary. And now I'm seeing it, <laughs> you know, the rise of this extreme right in countries that to me are similar mm-hmm. to, uh, 
uh, you know, to what Germany was. Um, and, and, and it is funny, but, it, but I, like, it does seem incredibly timely to have a book that addresses it, that, that looks at it, um, that, that, that actually challenges it and hopefully highlights the, the, the horrific places it can lead to. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of, it's kind of scary because I, like, I'm looking, I'm looking at what's happening and I'm looking at what I've written and the parallels are really astounding. I'm speaking with Bram Presser. His novel is The Book of Dirt. You might have gotten the sense from our conversation that this is an absolutely fantastic book that it, it's really hard to encapsulate in such a short conversation. So I suggest you get out and read it yourself. Bram, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. That's it for this conversation with Bram Presser. You are on the final Draft Great Conversations podcast. That was my first conversation with Bram Presser about his incredible debut, The Book of Dirt. It was also the very first episode of the final Draft Great Conversations podcast. Bram and I have spoken many times since then. And I want to share another conversation that we had around the time that The Book of Dirt was absolutely just kicking all of the goals. So here is Bram and I catching up around some of just the huge success that he's enjoyed with The Book of Dirt. My name's Andrew Popel, and I'm joined on the line right now by an author who is possibly the busiest author in Sydney at the moment, and that is with a whole slew of writers running around for Sydney Writers' Festival this weekend. Bram Presser is in Sydney for the Writers' Festival, and on Monday night, he absolutely cleaned up at the New South Wales Premier's Literary Awards. His book, The Book of Dirt took out the People's Choice Award, the Glenda Adams Prize for New Writing, and the Christina Stead Prize for Fiction. If he'd bought a raffle ticket, he would have won the door prize too. Such was his fortune on the night. Congratulations, Bram. (laughs) Thanks. I wish there was door prizes. (laughs) The Book of Dirt explores the history of your grandfather, Jacob Rand, as he moves to Prague on the eve of the Nazi occupation of that city. And this story is folded into your own search for traces and records of your family's life, and, and much of this was potentially lost or obscured. It was quite, it was quite an epic journey you took for this. Now, this book so we've been so incredibly received, and there's a lot of people talking about you at the moment, Bram. I'm loving all the attempts to encapsula- encapsulate you in a byline. There's writer, <laughs> author, criminal lawyer, punk rocker. Stay at home dad was that was another one. Stay at home dad. Oh, how did I miss that one? But is there any one title that you're more or less comfortable with these days? All these people talking. Uh, no, look, you know, whatever, whatever anyone wants to call me, I'm happy with you. I, I, I've been called uh, many worse things. So, any of these things which are vaguely positive, uh, I, I relish. The Book of Dirt is is this intensely personal narrative. It took you eight years to complete. Knowing knowing that it's been shared and loved so widely, I mean, the, the People's Choice Award is huge. That's that's a huge vote from your readers. Do you have any new perspectives on the book and on your work? Uh, it, it, well, it's weird. Like, I, I'm... Still, actually, trying to uh, like process it. Like it, it's so like look, look. The book's been well received. You know, the reviews have been good. Um, it sold quite well. Uh, but like Monday night, kind of blew me away. I think um, like you don't ever expect that happens to other people's books. You know, and like you know, got a lot of friends who are writers, and some of them have won some some great prizes. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. You know, like. Um, and, and, and I, and I've read some friends' books who were eligible for prizes next year, ones that have come out just in the last, uh, few months. And, and I'm just like, oh, that's definitely a prize. But you never think it's yours, mm. you know? Um, and so I don't know, like, I, I just, I, I, 
I'm still just like I kind of I kind of like giggle with glee when I just hear someone has read the book. You know what I mean? Like I, I just can't. I'm, I'm amazed that, that you know, and incredibly grateful that someone would take the time out of their busy lives to firstly read a book and of the billions of books that you could read like when you walk into your local bookstore and the one you chose was mine um, so like it's, I, I still find that quite quite amazing really has anyone come to you um, talk to talk to you about your your quest with their own quest that I, I guess has has brought perspective or just surprised you I was talking to um, the Israeli author Nir Baram a couple of years ago around his uh, the release of his book Good People, and, and oh, yeah, yeah. he sort of wryly observed that there are probably as many stories or books um, and stories written about the the Second World War and the experiences uh, surrounding that as there were, you know, days that that, that um, conflict lasted, and it's amazing <laughs> to think that there are. Yeah, there are still so many more stories to be told, and so many things to. Well, that, actually, that's that's the amazing thing to me. Like, I, I quite early on in the piece with uh, with Book of Dirt, when I when I started working with text, I, I said to, to Penny, my editor, you know, like, if I'm just writing another Holocaust story, tell me to stop because I think this is it's it's very like whilst it's important to document all the history and like every family story is really important, like a lot of them are are you know riffs on a theme, um, and I think that. The books that are coming out now really have to be saying something new because there are so many great books that already exist, um, and particularly ones by survivors. You know, I can imagine all I want, but I wasn't there. Right. Mm. Now, when we last spoke for Final Draft, uh, the Book of Dirt had just come out, um, and in this re- sort of really bizarre way, our news feeds were also being flooded with these visions of neo-Nazis in America uh, marching yeah. with tiki torches. It was it was macabre. Now. Uh, especially given we were talking about uh, the Holocaust and the way the Book of Dirt's exploration of of your family's uh, experience there. Now, in the time since we've seen people's movements gaining traction and conservatism maybe being countered in some way, do you do you have any perspectives? Do you feel like maybe as a world we're moving in a better direction, sort of some twelve uh, months I on? I wish I wish I could say that. Like I like I think there are pockets that are that are that, that you know kind of give me hope, but. Wow, there's a lot of really scary shifts to the right, um, mm. and I just see it like I see it every. I see it in Australia, and that, that scares the, the, the you know the living hell out of me, just because I think that you know. I always remember if you speak to any any actually Czech as well as German Jews, um, and they're just like, well, why? and then you say, you know, why didn't you leave? Well, you know, because this is Germany, or this is you know Czechoslovakia. This is this is a highly cultured, uh, you know, very Aggressively thinking, a country this was never going to happen, right? And I just think that that, that could be any country. And mm. as as we see these kind of, you know, I guess you know, fascist movements uh, gaining traction, uh, I, I just wonder at, at what point we're going to be able to actually, actually really like put our foot down and, and, and stop them. And, and, and I would say that is not what you know, 
and it, like you know, after the Holocaust, there was the, the you know the big call of never again. Never again is meaningless because never again happened again and again and again. Like you know, Rwanda, the former Yugoslavia, um, the, the killing fields. There, there are so many. Um, but you know, I think we have to constantly strive. Well, so here we are, sort of eight, I guess, nine years on since your journey began. I saw on Twitter the other day that that difficult sophomore album book, yeah, it's not really on your horizon at the moment, despite a wealth of fans' anticipation. But I, I wonder, I'm not going to commit you to a book, but are there any topics that... No, in an- sorry, no, no, actually, that, that was a bit of a flippant comment on, on Twitter. <laughs> well, they're very much, there are actually two books in the work, one of which is, in, 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 in form at least, uh, similar to Book of Birds, in that kind of blending of fact and fiction using documentary stuff, but it's not about the Holocaust. Um, thankfully. Um, Please tell other, me it's the about other the other Melbourne of My family party. happens to be um, Australian and they actually have a, and American and they actually have a very interesting story that I want to investigate. Um, and then I have another one that's uh, straight uh, kind of fictional, you know, kind of uh, <laughs> I, I don't really know how to describe it yet. It's still taking form, but it's a, it's kind of a, a bit a bit of a fable, a bit um, magical realist, um, but still very much grounded. Oh. Um, but yeah, Breaking breaking news on final yeah. draft. We've got some scoop on on Bram's follow up. You you broke my heart a little bit that it's not going to be a blend of fiction and narrative around the Melbourne punk rock scene. But I'll 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 take. <laughs> yeah, weirdly, you're not the first person that should be writing um uh, uh memoirs, uh, kind of a memoir thing of the music day. Um, all I can say about about that is um, there are too many people who would be very upset with me. Um, but I'm still very good friends with uh, if if I aired all of their um. Skeleton, not the least myself. Death in Death in Brunswick updated. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I'm speaking with Bram Presser. He's the author of the Book of Dirt, which won just about all the things at the New South Wales Premier's uh, uh, Literary Prize this week. Bram, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I know I've I've caught you running around, so I will let you get back to you. Yeah, but I, but you, yeah, I love Final Draft, and I'm not just you know. you were one of the early ones uh, that I spoke with, and we had an absolutely great chat. And uh, again, I, I, you know, anytime you want me, I, I am there for you. And you are welcome back anytime when both of those books you've just mentioned are uh, are ready for the world. <laughs> See you in a decade. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. All right, now that's really it for today's great conversations. We featured Bram Presser. He is an absolute champion of a guy. He is a fantastic writer. He was the first on the final Draft Great Conversations podcast, but there are still so many more. You can discover the Book of Dirt. It's out from out through text publishing. I want to let you know that Great Conversations is recorded on the lands of the Darug and Gunungurra people. Back when we started, it was recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. And the, we always want to pay our respects to the traditional owners of those lands, unceded lands, and acknowledge that Paying our respects, knowing the land you live on is just the beginning. This conversation needs to be ongoing. We need to support the storytelling of First Nations people to help affect real change. Now, the show is produced and presented by Andrew Popel. I do want to st- you to stay in touch. Tell me, maybe reach out. What have you been enjoying on the show? Have you discovered a book that has gone on to become a favourite? Is there something that you think we've missed that you would love to hear us talk about? Stay in touch. You can do that through uh, at Final Draft 2SER on all of the social networks. I am Andrew Popel. I will be back next week with more great conversations from Final Draft. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for staying with me over three years. And I'm looking forward to many, many more. See you later.